already been a sweet place to be. We're thankful for all of you that have come out. I realize that the past couple of years has affected everybody, and uh, we are glad that you made the trip here. Uh, I just, I'm like most of you, I look around and see friends that I don't get to be with very often, but we come down here and worship together. All of this took place several years ago, and uh, Roger and Mike and myself, when we talked it over, we said, you know, we may have 100 people there, but we're just going to have a good time. Go and have church and not have to worry about getting up in the morning, <laughs> leaving all the cares behind, and uh, everybody that wants to be there will be there. And through time, it built up, and before the pandemic, we were up about eight or 900, but at the six o'clock service tonight, there was 552 here, which I think is tremendous after going through two years with COVID. And then I look around, and I, I couldn't help but see so many widows and widowers of those that have been here in past years that have given their time. You don't forget what they did. You'll never forget what they did. I'd apologize, but I feel good tonight. Uh, I think, I don't know if Pam has ever, Pam Scarfpin's ever got to be with us in the meetings or not. Through the pandemic, in a short period of time, her husband went to be with the Lord. Her dad went to be with the Lord. And her mom went to be with the Lord. And we... Uh, you talk about the grace of God. We stood out in the wind and cold and some here tonight, they know they couldn't even gather around. It was all you could do. To, I had funeral after funeral that they couldn't even get flowers. I mean, it was a trying time. And uh, we met together under a little tent and had a brief service outside because COVID was so bad in the area at that time. But... Uh, I watched her faith in the Lord. Pam, I thank you for being real. See, there comes a time when God allows certain things to happen to let us know that he's genuine and he's real. Joyce Crace here tonight. Lonnie took pictures for our ministry for years, all over, all over the buildings that we were in. We've been in a number of buildings down here in different meetings, and as we kept growing, we had to keep getting bigger buildings and bigger buildings. Some of them, we outlived the building. We've been coming so long now, they tore some of those buildings down, but we're still going. Lonnie would take those pictures, but uh, they finally, COVID had got to the place that they would allow us to get into the hospital and we were there when he drew his last breath and took his flight to glory. And uh, I know it had to be hard on her coming down, but uh, I thank her family. Thank you. Thank you for making sure that she's here. Wanda, so good to see you out as well. Heaven's sweeter than it's ever been before. And then, uh, then those widowers as well. You bless my heart. Got to talk to Brother Ed just before service and him sharing with me. And he said, I'm just glad that I got to be here. Yeah. Scott and Sherry, I'm glad you made sure. And I could go on and on. I apologize if I forget some. Yeah. But I just want you to know in a small way, we love you. Yeah. And you make a difference in our life. 
and your attendance tonight speaks volumes to us. While you're turning to the book of Daniel, the book of Daniel, I was really torn between two sermons and I thought, well, one of them I've got to think real hard when I preach. And uh, I thought, well, they might be like myself. They had a long weekend and a lot of things going on. I think from uh, Saturday afternoon until uh, yesterday morning after the service, I'd preach four times in 18 hours, less than 18 hours. And uh, I'm sure that a lot of you have been through a lot of good services through last weekend. And we praise God for victories and salvations and help from the Lord. And then I come down and and, uh, I... I was thrilled, I got, I got to talk to a precious friend. I didn't get to her husband yet, but he was one of my teachers in school. Yeah. And he is here tonight. And as we were, were talking just before service, someone said, well, point him out. No way. <laughs> no way. Uh, he was in my life back in the BC <laughs> before Christ. And he's been, he's been a dear friend for all of these years and I'm so thankful. Isn't it great to say people that were our friends years ago, they're still our friends and to be able to come together to a place like this and, and, uh, and I, I know in the conversation, I just wanna make this brief tonight. In our conversation, I mentioned to her, uh, you know, it is amazing how quickly the world is changing. And it's amazing how quickly the church is changing. And we're at a crossroads right now, whether you realize it or not. The church, the real church, is going to rise up. Don't ever count the church out. Don't ever count the saved out. The Lord is with them. And the reason I mention some of these folks, if anyone had a right to stop and let up, some of these folks did. But you know what they're still doing? They're praising their way and thanking God, not for their circumstance, but because God gives us a hope beyond all the other things that we face in life. Recently, I preached a message. What does the church do when culture and the church clashes? And through your Bible, you'll find historically many, many cases where it looked as though God's people in the Old Testament The Jewish people, the Hebrew people, it looked as though they were almost ready to be annihilated or almost ready to be wiped out, but God always had an Esther for such a time as this, and God always had a Daniel like we're looking at. And by the way, don't you dare write the church off. There is still a remnant that has not bowed their knee to Baal, and God sees the church of the living God and has his hand on the church, and the church is not going down, hallelujah, we're going up. And the promise of God is more sure tonight than it's ever been before. But there's something amazing here I wanna show you in two verses. Chapter two, verse 47, Nebuchadnezzar is the king. He has a dream that he cannot interpret. And Daniel tells him the meaning of that dream. And when he hears the words of Daniel in verse verse 46, then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshiped Daniel. That's the first mistake. Don't ever worship a man. I mean, appreciate 
the people that God sends in your life. But don't worship people, worship God. And he worshiped Daniel and commanded that they should offer an ablation and sweet odors unto him, offer a sacrifice. And then in verse 47, listen to what he says. The king answered unto Daniel and said of a truth, it is that your God is God, capital G, of God's, small g. And the Lord, capital L, of kings and revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldst reveal this secret. So bear in mind, Daniel has corrected him and realized that the work has been done that now Nebuchadnezzar understands this wasn't Daniel, this was God. This is a God thing through it all. God did it. God had his hand on him. God revealed what he wanted to know that nobody else could tell him. You know, God still knows the secrets and still reveals what needs to be revealed at the perfect time. Now, he's just declared Daniel's God is the God, the God of gods, the Lord of kings, the true, the living God. Look in chapter three and verse one. He just realized Daniel's God is God. And look at what he does. Chapter three and verse one. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. So he said, there's no God like your God. And the very next chapter, he builds a God. Now, how do you go to such great extremes in such a short period of time? I'm gonna ask you one question tonight, and I realize that I'm speaking to the majority, if not all that are here tonight. I realize that you're a Christian. I know that you love the Lord. But still, I think even as Christians, we need to see that there are some flags that come up in our life to tell us we've got to be on guard. Because so quickly, it can change. Your church can be growing, you can be thriving, God can be blessing, and in a short period of time, it's all gone. I have a pastor friend of mine that I preached for him, a great man of God, after spending 48 years at his church a few years ago, he decided it was time to let somebody younger come along. So, and there's nothing wrong with that, that has to be. But as he passed the torch on, the young preacher, he had been saved in that church, he had gone to Christian school in that church, in that church at a Christian school. He had also gone to Bible college in that Bible college that the church had. The last Sunday of that preacher friend of mine, they had an anniversary service. I was there in that service out of respect because he'd allowed me to preach in his pulpit. But yet in that service, there were over 5,800 people in that service. 18 months later, he called me and said, Cal, pray for the church. 
they've called me back. And the first service back, there was 75 people. I remember asking that old man of God, what happened? And he said plainly, people lost sight of what's important. My question to you tonight is personal. It's nothing that I want you to say out loud, but you need to answer it in your heart and in your mind. One question, what is the most important thing in your life? What is the most important thing in your life? You say, well, how do you gauge that? Well, that's easy. The most important thing in your life is what you would pay anything for and you would take nothing in exchange for that. So if God is the most important person in our life and serving God is the most important thing in our life, we will give anything, we will do anything, we will be anything to tell people he is the true and the living God. But if you'll sell out what you have, those things are the most important. Do you know every person, God made us this way, every person, every person in all of the world is either serving a God, the God, or gods in their life. And whatever God they're serving, they will be transformed in the image of the God that they're serving. So whatever God they're serving, that's what they're transformed into. That's why right now I'm concerned about our nation. I don't like what we're becoming. We're becoming anti-God. I'm not talking politics. Politics lost out years ago to the Bible. I don't care. You say, ah, oh, preacher, you shouldn't get on politics. It was so cold in Washington the other day. I saw a senator had his hands in his own pocket. <laughs> if you're dependent on Washington to get us out of this mess, you're in trouble. Amen. Universities have now become platforms to try to tell people that no longer is there a real God, a living God. Do you know that they think that we're just not quite right mentally for what we're doing here? But let me tell you something. I'm of sound mind tonight and I can write a will and testament and say God has been good to me and you can take it all away and at the end of life all you're gonna have left is God but you'll be transformed into that image. If you want to see what you're following, if you're having problems figuring out what it is, bring your checkbook to me and your debit card. I don't want one dime. We'll go through it and we'll find out what your God is because that's where your prizes will go and possessions will go. Boy, there went the shouting. And then not only do you transform into that and you start to mirror that God, but then before long, since you start to do that, all of society starts to do that. 
And when society realizes the church no longer realizes who is the true and the living God, then society will take over. Well, how do you know if you've got the right God or not? Well, let me just give you three things real quick. Number one, Nebuchadnezzar had the wrong God. Do you know why? He made his own God. If you made your God, you've got the wrong God. My God didn't, he's not made by me. He made me. See, the God we serve, we didn't make him. I didn't make him up. He's not a figment of my imagination because you can't see him doesn't mean that he's not real. You'll find out that he is real. Years ago, I remember as just a boy when Russia was in a race with the United States to get into outer space and constantly they were vying for that opportunity to go into outer space. We had our astronauts, they had their cosmonauts and finally Russia beat us into outer space and when they came back, one of the cosmonauts, they interviewed the cosmonaut and they said you've now walked in outer space what do you think and he said boldly he said I've walked in outer space and I'm here to declare I didn't see God anywhere out there there is no God I thought to myself if they'd have cut your oxygen cord you'd have seen him yes there is a God one day you're going to draw your last breath you're going to pray your last prayer you're going to do the last thing you can ever do in this life and thank God, when I come to the river at ending of day and the last winds of sorrow are blown, there'll be somebody waiting to show me the way. I won't have to cross Jordan alone. If you can make your God, your God's not the true and living God. Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, God whose height was three score cubits. The Bible says, and the breadth thereof was six cubits. If you made your God, you've got the wrong God. Are you ready? If you can measure your God, you've got the wrong God. I wanna tell you something, you can't measure our God. I, I hope that I, I hope you don't take this as scolding. I have preached this now for probably 30 years because we're so terrible about getting in a mode where we just repeat things and don't think about what we're saying, but it's really not biblical. And I know we don't mean to do it. I do it all the time. Yeah, I confess that I do things like this. You do too. You repeat things because you heard somebody else sound it and say it and it sounded good and it seems like a good little thing to repeat over and over again. But yet, in reality, when we stop and think about it, it's not accurate. For example, I go into church after church and I'll hear prayers prayed and people testify and they'll say things like this, oh God, move tonight. God can't move. Do you know it's an impossibility for God to move? Why? Because he's everywhere. To 
To move means that you have to vacate one place where you are to occupy a place somewhere else. Let me tell you, there's no place that God can go that he's not already there. Everywhere he's been, he's still there. Everywhere he is, he is there. And everywhere we go, he is there. Isn't it good to know the same God I worship in Rubyville is right here in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. And the same God that came with us tonight into this service will still be with us on tomorrow. Everywhere we go, he's already there before we ever get there. You say, prove it. What about, what about the giant when David slew the giant? He turned down the armor of Saul, took a sling, five stones, he only needed one. The Bible says that when he put that stone in that sling, it wasn't the rock. It was the fact he came against the giant in the name of the Lord. And when the rock left his hand, there's just some laws that exist. You can't change it. There are laws of nature that it exists, laws of motion that exist. One of the laws that exist, if you get hit, like that giant got hit, if you get hit in the forehead, whatever direction that that object is going, that will be the direction that your head will go. He got hit in the head, the forehead. That's the direction of the rock. He should have fallen back. Read your Bible close. He fell on his face. (laughs) Are you hearing what I'm saying? Do you know what that means? That means that God was right there with David and his hand was on David's hand when he let the rock go. And by the time the rock got there, God was already there too. And instead of the rock doing the job, God just shoved him forward. God is in front of our problem. God is behind our problem. You say, preacher, why are you preaching that to us tonight? Because we sit back and say, if we have a real good service, God moved. I've got news for you. He was moving in this building before we ever got here. He occupied this place. The problem is not that God is not moving. The problem is that puts everything on God and takes everything off us. The problem is we don't move. We sit there and say, oh, if they sing real good, if they preach real hard, maybe then I'll wave my hand a little bit. Maybe then I'll say amen. Know what God's saying is, am I not the one that gave you life and gave you health and gave you strength? Am I not the one God says that saved your soul and took your sin away? He said, it's time for the church to move. We have to move. If you have a God that you made, you've got the wrong God. If you have a God that you can measure, You've got the wrong God. He set his God up. If you have a God that can move, you got the wrong God. He is God. He's not waiting to make his move. He's wanting us 
to make the move. God will save anyone that comes to him. God will forgive anyone that comes to him. But the problem is people won't move. They want to stay in their sin and they want to go their own way and live their own life and they refuse to say, I'm going to forsake that and come to God. But it's just this simple. We need to know what we have is real. We're getting down to the dividing line now. We're gonna separate those that are real from those that are not. It started two years ago. They said at that time probably 45% of the church will probably not return to the church. That was the statistics. The truth of the matter is, quit worrying about that 45% that's not coming back. They weren't there when they were there. How do you know that? Well, look at their cars. Look at their vehicles. They'll tell you what image they're formed in. You'll start to see it. You'll start to, you can see the image. Just look, look at it. Look at the things they wear. It don't take you long to figure out. A lot of people love sports teams more than they love God. Now, there's nothing wrong with sports teams, but what people spend their money on reveals their God. There was a warlord in Japan in the 16th century that followed a false god and decided to make an image of his God. He hired 50,000 workers to work for five years to build a shrine and temple, an image of his God. They just finished. An earthquake came, the temple collapsed, and crushed his God. He said, as he looked at the ruins, I put you here by great expense and you can't even look after your own temple. Let me tell you, that's not our God. He will not fail you. You may be sick in body and the devil's saying you don't know where your God's at. I promise you, he will not fail you. I'll close with this because Mike was there when it happened. A lot of you, a lot of you remember the uh, old preacher, Andrew Workman. I had the privilege of being one of the pallbearers at his funeral. He preached at Tampa Church and there's folks here tonight that was saved under the ministry of Andrew Workman. His sons were much older than I, but we became close friends over the years. And one of them in particular, he was a deacon in one of the churches that I think I preached maybe my fifth meeting in. And uh, we just stayed close all of those years. He loved our ministry. John, let me grab this other. That's... 
if you don't care, brother. Do what? It's not my mic. Okay, well, it's not my mic. So he was getting sick really bad. And uh, they called in hospice and his daughter contacted me and said, dad would like to be able to talk to you before he dies. He's coming in and out of a coma. And Mike happened to stop by the office that day and I'd already committed to her. I said, when your dad is conscious and alert, doesn't matter the time. If I'm in a service, I'll tell them before service. I said, I don't care if I'm preaching. I'm gonna stop preaching. I'm gonna take the call. And she said, you know what would be great if I could FaceTime you? Can you FaceTime? I said, absolutely. So Mike had only been there 10 minutes, maybe Mike, and my phone went off. I told Mike ahead of time. I said, the call comes in. I've got to take it. And I took the call, and the family was on the other line, and we talked for a minute, and she said, Preacher Daddy's awake, and he wants to see you. She turned that phone around, and she said, Daddy, look in that phone. And I said, hello, brother, how are you doing? Mike was in the office, he heard it, so he knows there's no exaggeration. He said, glory to God, I'm going to heaven, preacher. He said, man, I mean, it is unbelievable what I'm experiencing. He said, on one side is the angels and on the other side is Jesus. He said, I haven't seen the face of Jesus, but he's got me by the hand. And they're ushering me up through the clouds and said, I'm leaving this world just any time. And boy, he started shouting. I started shouting. Mike started shouting. The family started shouting. All of heaven came down and God, his presence was there. He made a comment to me. And at first I didn't catch it. And his dear wife, after we finish, she said, Cal, can you stay on the phone for a minute? I want to go in the other room. I, I want to tell you something. I said, absolutely. She went in the other room. And she said, when he woke up this morning, he mentioned some of it to you. Said he keeps talking about, I don't understand this. I'm going through the heavens. See, the silver cord was about to be broken and he was ready to take his flight. He said, but I don't understand it. My brother's right in front of me. And she started to cry and she said, Cal, we don't know what to do because we want to spend as much time as we can with him and his time's running out. And said he woke up saying that and said he doesn't know it. He hasn't heard anything. Said we've been texting back and forth. He doesn't know what's going on. Said, but his brother went to be with the Lord unexpectedly this morning. That's my God. I don't have to explain him to you or to anybody else. I know that he's real. It's too late to tell me now that he's not real. My God is real and how can I do any less than say thank you, Lord, for what you have done. You have blessed us beyond all measure and Lord, you have made the difference in our life, in our home, in our church, in our community. He is God. Yeah. 